says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. I don't know how you not get moved by that. We've seen that video a few different times, but I don't know how you possibly can't get moved by that. Maybe you are. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to indict that you that you're not moved by that. But that's who we serve. That is our king. Last week we started this whole series called the Bearded Humble Man or the Humble Bearded Man. And in 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 that first in that first um, if you were here or you weren't here, we talked about how Jesus transforms lives. 
And we talked about, we looked at the passage of Scripture where Philip was called to follow him, where Jesus began to call his disciples when he started his ministry. And Jesus called Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel. Philip started to follow Jesus, and Philip found Nathaniel, and he said, Nathaniel, you've got to come. We found the Messiah. You've, you've got to come. We found the one that the Scriptures talk about. We found the one that the prophecies all point towards, this man from Nazareth. Nathaniel's words were what? Nazareth? How can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so we read that whole story and we read where Jesus comes and Philip just responded to that question. He said, come and see. I love it. Come and see. I don't have to debate you, Nathaniel. I don't have to get in some philosophical argument, philosophical debate or whatever it is. Hey, Nathaniel, just come and see. Because guys... What happens when we come and see Jesus, our lives are transformed. Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture tells us what happens when men and women come into the presence of Jesus Christ. They are literally transformed. Brokenness is healed. Wholeness is restored. Lives are changed. Hey, Nathaniel, I don't, all I want you to do is just come and I want you to check it out. I want you to see. Nathaniel, if you remember that story, Nathaniel, Jesus comes and, and uh, he, he engages with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, or he tells Nathaniel, I saw you sitting there under the tree when Philip was talking to you. And Nathaniel says, essentially, holy cow, you are the Messiah. And what does Jesus say? If that blew your socks off, just wait. Because you're going to see some other things that's going to take your words out of your mouth. And we talked about, I wonder what some of the things Nathaniel saw. And we listed all those other encounters, those, you know, and just a few that Scripture points to. Just a few we talked about of, of those things. And, and I asked the question, I wonder if Nathaniel saw those things. I wonder if Nathaniel saw, you know, these, these, uh, some of the miracles. I'm sure he probably did. I'm assuming he did. I, you you kind of look into Scripture. He followed, uh, he, he called Jesus the rabbi, the teacher. He began to follow him. He became one of his disciples. I'm sure he was privy to see some of these things. And I wonder if Nathaniel often thought, how could anything good come out of Nazareth? You ever think that kind of came up and revisited him? How could anything good come out of Nazareth? You see, Nathaniel had expectations. He had prejudices. And a lot of times, we can't see Jesus because we only see Him to the limit of our prejudices or our limitations, or our thought processes, our philosophies, maybe even our theologies. And that's the limit to in which we see Jesus. So literally, our expectations, the box that we have, if Jesus doesn't really follow through in the grid that we've constructed, we can literally miss truly seeing Jesus. We see Him, but to the limitations of our expectations or prejudices, or whatever perceptions, or whatever it may be. Come and see. Come and see. And so today we're going to talk about, and we, we, again, we looked and we saw how, how when people came into the presence of Jesus, their lives were radically disrupted. Their lives were radically changed. Completely and significantly changed. Today we're going to talk about how through that transforming process, the very next thing that happens is that it incites song. 
You see, when we come into the presence of God, when I come into the presence of God, when you come into the presence of God, and you begin to truly understand how broken you are, when you truly understand the addictions that you're up against, when you truly understand how flawed you are as a human, and you begin to see that Jesus doesn't, that that doesn't repel Jesus, but that actually makes Him pursue you even more, you're blown out of the water. And your life becomes transformed. And your heart is filled full of joy. And you have this, this, this song that just wells up inside of you that says, He's alive! Let me share with you about this Jesus. I don't have to sit and debate you. I don't have to sit and get in this lengthy philosophical discussion. The one thing I do know, He has radically changed my life. He has radically transformed who I am. I am a different person because of my encounter with Jesus. And this, this song just wells up inside of you. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture today found in Matthew chapter 21. And I'm going to focus in on verse 10. I'll paint the context for you. But I'm going to focus in on verse 10. And I'm going to read it from the voice, which is a paraphrase. And then we'll, we'll camp out on the voice paraphrase. But I'm going to, we'll look at a couple different translations as well. But in this particular passage, um, Jesus, this is right uh, before His crucifixion. And Jesus instructs His disciples to go. He's, he's getting ready to come into Jerusalem and during the whole Passover, uh, during the whole Holy Week thing. And they're going to shout Hosanna, Hosanna. And a glory to God in the highest. And so he rides in on a colt and a donkey, and they throw down the palm le- the palm branches and their cloaks and their you know their uh, their coats and stuff like that, which signifies this is our king. And so in this passage of scripture, starting in verse six of twenty one, he says, "So the disciples went off and followed Jesus' instructions. They brought the donkey and fowl to Jesus. They spread their cloaks on the animals, and Jesus sat down on them." The great crowd followed suit, laying their cloaks on the road. Others cut leafy branches from the trees and scattered those before Jesus. And the crowds went before Jesus, walked along aside him, and processed behind, processed behind, all singing, Hosanna, praise to the Son of David, praises to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Eternal One, Hosanna in the highest. The way Jesus enters the city on a lowly donkey with crowds surrounding Him singing praises surprises many within Jerusalem. And this next verse is where I want to camp out. But look at this next verse in the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. It says, And when He entered Jerusalem, the whole city was what? Stirred up. The whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? You see, that's what Jesus does. When you encounter Jesus, He stirs you up. Right? When you encounter Jesus, He stirs it up. A couple things happens. Maybe the reason why sometimes we don't like to encounter Jesus and we kind of have a sense of closeness is because we know He's going to stir it up. For some of us, we don't want our theology challenged. For some of us, we don't want our perceptions challenged. We don't want our expectations challenged because that means it's going going to send us into this paradigm shift. But you see, when we truly encounter Jesus, He stirs it up. The whole city, and when He entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? (laughs) In another translation, the New Living Translation, it says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. 
as he entered. Who is this, they asked. I mean, Jesus, his presence does that. It stirs things up. He stirs things up. He creates this uproar. It's just who he is. He can't help but do that. And then in the message, the paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, he says, as he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. The whole city was shaken, unnerved. People were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? And then in the voice, the paraphrase I read before here, says this. And that is how Jesus came into Jerusalem. The people noticed this strange parade. They wondered who this could be. This humble, bearded man on a donkey who incited such songs. Now, let's get this out of the way. We all know that uh, as he entered into that city, there was many people uh, shouting, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God the highest. This is our king. This is our king. And their song changed at some point to say, crucify him, crucify him. Maybe because they didn't want to be stirred up. Maybe because they didn't want to be challenged. Maybe because, which I think this is uh, what's well, all part of it, but maybe because Jesus was not meeting their expectations, Right? Were they looking for some cat from Nazareth? Were they looking for a Messiah that was going to come and free them from their spiritual tyranny? No, they weren't. They had their expectations all laid out. How could this be the Messiah? After a while, they started looking at this. How come He's not rising up and overtaking Rome? How come He's not freeing us of of this political tyranny that we've been under for 400 and some years? We're Israel for crying out loud. How is it that this guy is not rising up and conquering and taking over and setting things straight? And so what they had was, for many, they couldn't see Jesus Their eyes weren't open to Jesus whatsoever because they had a grid of expectations. They had prejudices. They had the structure in which Jesus had to come through. And because He didn't come through and meet their expectations or their prejudices or their perceptions, they missed truly seeing the Son of God. Now for some, they saw Him. For some, they saw Him. Because you had the ones there that were were deeply touched by Jesus. You had some there, no doubt, that were probably singing that knew exactly who this Jesus was. You probably had individuals that were that, that, that were once lame and they were able to walk again. You probably they were probably individuals there, maybe that were part of the of the couple times that he fed the five thousand. Maybe there were in the, maybe the guy that got lowered down through the guy's roof so that he could be in the presence of Jesus and be healed. Maybe he was there as well. So there were some people there that were stirred up, and they were stirred up because they had seen Jesus and Jesus. Had transformed their lives. And because of that, there was this internal, deep, resonating joy that incited song. And that's what Jesus does when we truly transform Him. Transform. When He truly transforms us. Guys, I understand that in our world today, we live in a broken world. I understand that we live in a sense of humanness. And in that sense of humanness, there's times where we experience chemical imbalances and things like that. I completely understand that. What I don't understand is, is how we as Christians a lot of times are not happy. We're not full of joy. And maybe, let me ask the question, is it because we haven't truly seen Jesus? 
How is it that when you stand in the presence of God and you truly experience Jesus, you, you've experienced Him transform you, how is it that that doesn't incite song within you that says, this is Jesus? You see, that's what happens when we go into our world. That's how we become light. That's how we become salt. As we said last week, concluding the service, it's not something that you do, and I get this is bad grammar, bad grammar but it's who we be. Okay? It's who we be. It's not something you do. Hey, you know what? Today I think I'll be light. Hey, you know what? Today when I go into the Word, I think I'll be salt. It's not, that's not the way it works. It's your essence. You can't help but be salt. You can't help but be light because Jesus has totally transformed you and because He's totally transformed you, you are going out into a world, you're upsetting, you're unnerving people because you're saying, Jesus has transformed my life. Come and see. Come and see. He transforms lives. The second thing that He does is this. He exceeds our expectations. He totally exceeds our expectations. One of the things that amazes me about Jesus in my life is that there are times when Gail wants to advance Gail. There are times in my life, I know it's, that shocks you, okay? But just, I know. There are times in my life, I don't want to be full of joy. I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to demolish someone because they hurt me. I don't want, I don't want to be the person that extends grace. And Jesus, in those times, And I can't explain it. But He actually pursues me. And I don't understand that. There are times in my brokenness where I fall back into something that God has delivered me from or is delivering me from. And out of my humanness, I fall back into it. And I commit that. And my humanness says, how can God love you? How do you deserve God's grace? Well, that's the issue. I don't deserve God's grace. And what really blows my mind is that He completely blows my expectations because I'm not expecting a God that is so holy, a God that is so perfect, to come to me once I've blown it again and say, Gail, I love you. This isn't you. This isn't you. I love you. This doesn't identify you. Do you understand, guys, how it is so imperative that we wrestled with that whole concept of who do you think you are through the book of Ephesians? If we don't understand who we are in Jesus Christ, we can't, and I think that is the only snippet or scratch of the surface that we can ever kind of understand the incomprehensible, ineffable love, unconditional love of God. His grace. I don't understand that when I blow it, that God, Jesus, comes after me even harder to say, I love you. You're my child. You're my child. I understand that you made a mistake. I understand that you sinned, but I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to love you. Doesn't that blow your, doesn't that exceed your expectation? Do you have relationships in your life where people actually pursue you when you do something bad to them? I don't. I mean, you know. That's not how it works in our society. That's not how it works in our culture. You hurt me, I'm alienating you. 
You hurt me, I'm coming after your throat. You hurt me, hey, I'll tell you what, let's just part ways, let's have one of these mitzvah <laughs> agreements like in the Old Testament where, hey, this is my side, this is your side, let's not meet, okay? That's, that's how we, but yet with God, with Jesus, He comes after us. He pursues us. When we fall to our addictions, some of us, out of our humanness, we have addictions that we struggle with, and from time to time we fall to those. And instead of Jesus saying, I'm tired of it, I'm done with you, out of His unconditional love and His grace, He has transformed us, and yet He blows our minds, He blows our expectations, because instead of alienating us like others would, He actually pursues us to say, you are my beloved child. I don't understand that, guys. The one thing I do know is this. It literally blows my expectations out of the water. Because I would never expect a God that is so holy, a God that doesn't deal with sin, doesn't take a liking to sin at all, doesn't tolerate sin, is sinless, where when you read the book, when you read the Bible, the book of the Word of God, that, that, that it lays that standard out there so far, but yet when we do stumble, instead of Him striking us dead, instead of Him alienating us, instead of Him saying, I'm done with you, instead of Him saying, you don't deserve my grace, instead of Him saying, I died on the cross and yet you're treating me like this, instead of that, He pursues us? <laughs> that's That's completely blows our expectations completely out of the water. Where do you expect that? Because there's not a single person sitting in here this morning, guys, that can say, well, I deserve God's grace. I've never really messed up that bad. Let me remind you of a passage in Romans 3.23 where Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're enemies with God. And yet God says, I love you. I pursue you. I'm pursuing you. This sense of grace. He blows our expectations completely out of the water. Have you ever prayed about something and God, you just prayed and prayed and prayed and God showed up? And it's like, holy cow, I prayed for this and God did this. You ever have times where you go back and say, hey God, thanks for not answering my prayer the way I prayed. I can't say, I know you're probably getting bored with this, but the, one, the, the most recent one for me is, is our family. I can't tell you how bad we wanted a family. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you've just prayed and prayed and prayed. I mean, for 15 or so years we prayed, we want a family, we want a family, we want a family, we want a family. And we, we prayed that prayer. God, help us to have a family, help us to have a family. And so God begins to move and, and he, he just completely, blows our, just completely exceeds our expectations by saying, right, here you go, here's three kids I want you to adopt and have in your family. And oh, by the way, I'll throw another one in. Of course, sometimes you question that, like, okay, what happened here, you know? Let's tone down the expectation. Don't exceed it that far. No. How, how can, I mean, just, you know, I had a friend say, I mean, they, they, she's asked me numerous times, hey, have you gotten used to it? Have you gotten used to it? How can you get used to it? I mean, how, how can, when God shows up in your life and God shoots the moon on an expectation, when God answers your prayer and He literally just does His God thing where He just rockets it and you stand there and you're like, holy cow, this is incredible. How do you say, wow, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> hey, God answered a prayer. God continually exceeds expectations because He's a loving father. He's such a he's such a loving father. 
He transforms lives. He reaches down to the bowels of sin and muck and mire of this earth and the brokenness of humanity. And He grabs a hold of us and we go back to it. We're like that verse in Pro- I think it's Proverbs or Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, we're like dogs who return to the vomit. That's how disgusting it is. And oh, by the way, that's what we do. And there comes Jesus chasing after us. I love you. I love you. That's not who you are. You are in Christ. You are one of me. And so now when God looks at us, He doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. How does that not blow your expectations completely out of the water? Jesus, man, He totally transforms lives. And when He transforms lives, He meets our expectations... Some of the, if they're positive expectations, he meets those expectations, and then he, those that we're praying for, he exceeds. I mean, he just literally exceeds out of his unconditional love. We're gonna, the worship team's going to uh, lead us into a song, talking about uh, the title of the song is "When You Walk Into the Room," and it talks about. Well, I just want you to lean into this song and just listen, listen to the words and just let the words captivate you and use it as a time of worship. But I I pray that you would just... um, I pray that you just open up your hearts in that humble state to where it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe today's a day where, again, here's our expectations. Here's our expectations, you know, in this box here, and we just take it. And you say, you know what? I'm tired of... And I'm talking about our humanly expectations. You know what, God? I just want to meet you. I really want to meet you. Maybe some of us are sitting here this morning, we're really tired, we're exhausted. In our humanness, we're running the race, but we're, I mean, we're struggling and we're exhausted. And, and, And it's sometimes it's so easy to lose sight where we just get tired and we just want to sit down. But I just want to say, guys, Jesus is passionately pursuing us. And, and I just want to say this. There's going to come a day when we're going to enter into that Sabbath where it's like, it's like, thank God I don't have to deal with this again. Thank God I don't have to struggle with this again, day in and day out. Last night at our prayer thing, Scott Stalker leads it, and we have some songs, and we pray in between the songs. And one of the things he said, that he said it before, and it just really grabbed a hold of me again. He said, you know, I, he said, I want to be as excited to in this concept of, of expectations, you know, like, like meeting Jesus, hearing from Jesus, seeing Jesus. I want to have the same excitement that I have for some of the most passionate things I have in my life. I want to feel that way towards Him. And I thought, man, I do too. I do too. I want to see Jesus. I want to get as excited about Jesus as I do about some other things in my life that I get uber excited about. I mean, really excited about I want to have that same type of excitement that says, He transformed my life. I want to be that excited to, to encounter Jesus. I pray that you would use this time as, 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 we, as we listen to this song to just engage with this song and listen to the words as Jesus walks in the room and He changes literally everything. Because when we truly see Jesus, our lives are transformed and it incites this song within us that, we, that can't be squelched. And so just lean into this song, listen to it, and then I'm going to share a couple of thoughts on the backside.
changed. He completely exceeds any expectations, good expectations that we're praying for, or just 
completely exceeds those. And it just incites this joy within our, lives, within our hearts. There's a passage of Scripture I want to close with. Uh, we talked a little bit about last week, but I want to close with it here uh, today. But uh, I think of one of my favorite stories, I think. i got a couple of them that, are, that would rank there's my favorite. A couple of my favorite stories, like especially this one, as we heard this song. You know, I love you. Here's my heart. You've walked into the room, man. You've transformed me. I am absolutely changed because of your because of your unconditional love and your grace that I so don't deserve. And I think of a passage of Scripture because that's the type of response that it invokes when we see Jesus. When we truly see Jesus. Do you remember that story of Mary Magdalene? Remember that story where she's in that, she's there in this house and, and she's washing Jesus' feet. She pours, I think, uh, pours perfume on his feet and she begins to cry and she begins to dry his feet with her hair. Do you guys know that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute? And Jesus radically transformed her. Isn't that a response that you would have when Jesus just grabs a hold of you and pulls you up and says, I love you. You're my child. You're my brother and sister. You're co-heirs with me now. We're in this together. That's the response that it has when we truly encounter Jesus. There's another one, just very quickly. We talked a little bit about it last week. Remember the whole story where the guy was blind and Jesus spits in the ground and he, he, he makes some mud and he sticks it in the guy's eyes and he says, go, wash. And so the guy goes and he washes and, he, and he, he's able to see. And what does it do? It creates a stir, right? It creates an uproar, especially because Jesus did it on what? The Sabbath. I like that. Jesus did it on the Sabbath, challenging the institutionalism, right? So he, he does it on the Sabbath, and this guy's life has changed. So the leaders, oh, okay, let's bring this in. Let's figure this out. What's going on? Who did this? So they bring in people, and they start saying who it is. You know, They bring in his parents, and his parents are like scared. and They're like, hey, you know what? He's of age. Talk to him. So they bring him in, and they begin to question him. And at one point, which I love, he says, are you, do you, you keep asking these questions. Do you want to be one of his disciples too? I was like, that is an awesome slap in the face, you know. But but so the, I mean, it just invokes anger within them. And so they, you know, they they don't know how to deal with this. So they bring him in again, and you know, he he says, you know what? And, and again, it's back to this come and see. Hey guys, I can't answer all your questions. <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to sit and get some theological debate with you. But let me tell you something. The one thing I do know is I was blind. And now I see. Right after that, he, so he gets kicked out for that, okay? He gets kicked out for it, and he comes into the presence of Jesus. Now mind you, he was blind, and so Jesus puts the mud in his eyes, and he says, go and wash. He's never seen Jesus, okay? So as we pick up on this, this story in John 9, verse 35, it said, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And in verse 37, it says, Jesus said to him, You have seen him. 
And it is He who is speaking to you. I absolutely love this response because, guys, I'm convinced that this is what happens when we stand in the presence of Jesus and He transforms us. He says this. He said, Lord, I believe. And then listen to these next four words. He said, Lord, I believe. And then, and he worshipped him. I'm convinced that that's exactly what happens when we truly come into the presence of Jesus and our eyes are open and our ears are open. And we're truly transformed. We worship him. From Isaiah, dropping like a sack of potatoes in the presence of God, to John in Revelation, where he's standing on the island, or standing on the, the Isle of Patmos, and he turns, here's the voice that sounds like a trumpet, and he turns around, and it's Jesus, and he drops. You see, that's what happens when we stand in the presence of God. There's a sense of acknowledgement that it invokes worship, one way or the other. By the way, Paul tells us what's going to happen at the end, doesn't he? That one day, what? Every knee will bow and confess that He is... Absolutely. That's what happens. We worship Him. There's a life change that takes place. Listen to what Jesus says. He bows down. He worships Him. And literally, worship means to take that humble position. It means to literally get down. I've seen... It's, it's, it's taking a lowly state before someone where you're acknowledging that you're below them. He worships Him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, and those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near Him heard these things, and He said to Him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you are blind... You would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. When we see Jesus, our lives are radically transformed. And because our lives are radically transformed, it evokes this response in us where we worship Him. Where we literally get down and we worship Him. I've seen some people say that worship is literally your head is much lower. But we come into the presence of Jesus. If you're struggling worshiping Jesus this morning, maybe you should open your heart and ask a couple questions. Have I seen Him? If you don't have a song that's welling up in your heart that says, man, this is who transformed... I get that we're human, guys. I get that there's times where we struggle. I understand that. I do, I, I do as well. So I'm not indicting. I'm not trying to be, be one of those brow-beating individuals. But I'm telling you, <laughs> there's something about it when Jesus transforms us. It invokes song within our hearts. It invokes worship because He's transformed us. And we get it. We're going to close with one last song. I pray that you would just use it to, to respond appropriately. If God has called, maybe today's one of these days where you're like, maybe you're sitting in here this morning, you've been a skeptic for a while, and it's like, hey, where Jesus is finally saying, hey, are we done with this now? Because I want to tell you something, I can transform lives. That's what I do. That's my business. And we get into the whole skepticism, yes, but, and we get into the whole institutionalism of church and all this stuff, and it's like, Jesus is like, yeah, okay, I did that too. I had my day with it. It's not institutionalism. It's relationship, man. It's coming into the presence of Jesus and having this true encounter with Him. Maybe today's the day you're like, you know what, I'm done. I, 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 I am...
here's my life, Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're celebrating. You've encountered, you've got the song. Would you please just worship? Not that you haven't been already, but just let it go. And I would ask that you would pray for others that may be struggling around you. But I pray that this would be a time where we do what that song just said. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. I'm giving you my heart. Here it is. Take it. I love you. Take it. Would you respond to him the way he is asking you and calling you to respond? Let this be an awesome worship time for you. Would you stand as we close with this last song?